Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. It's August 1998, and an 18-year-old kid sits nervously between his aunt and his uncle. This is his third time ever in church, and God's word has been convicting him. And he hears for the very first time what's going to happen in the latter days. And he hears the pastor preach this sermon about how there's going to come a time where God is no longer going to be operating with a measure of grace, but he's going to pour out his wrath on an unbelieving world. And I heard this story for the first time that day. And I sat there listening nervously to what was going to happen. And I couldn't believe that there was going to come a time where a bottomless pit was going to be opened and these locusts were going to fly over the face of the earth and they're going to have these, these teeth like lions, their face like men, hair like women. They're going to have the tails of scorpions. They're going to wreak havoc on the earth. There's so many of them that the scripture says that the sky is darkened. The sky is darkened. And it says that men will wish that they could die, but they will wreak havoc on those who have not been sealed by God. And then that there are these four angels who will release this 200 million man army to march on the world, and out of the mouths of their horses is going to come smoke and fire and brimstone, and by that, a third of the world will be wiped out because they hadn't been sealed by God. And that text, that portion of scripture ends this way, it says, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immoralities or their thefts. And I sat there thinking for a moment, that is me. And if I do not repent, that is my destiny. And my hands were sweaty, my heart was pounding, and there was a lump in my throat. And the pastor says, if you want to be saved of all of these things, God wants to give you his Holy Spirit. And he will seal you with that Holy Spirit. It's like a promise that God is giving to you. That when you receive this Spirit, you are sealed, you are protected. It's a guarantee that God no longer has wrath to pour out on you because he's already poured out his wrath upon his son. And I sat there in that chair between my aunt and my uncle. And the pastor says, if you would like to receive this Holy Spirit and be saved of this destiny, raise your hand. And I looked around the room, and I wanted to make sure that no one was watching, and my hand slowly raises. And I thought that that was the end of it, right? And then the pastor says, you who raised your hand, I want you to come forward. And there is no way I was getting up out of my seat, absolutely no way, but my aunt and my uncle were cheating. 
And they saw that I raised my hand, and they said, you raise your hand, you need to go forward. And so I went forward, and I met with the pastor for the first time that day, and that was the day I was saved, August 1998. A response to God's wrath being poured out in Revelation chapter 9. And it's amazing what God is able to do, because now today, today I will share with you, I will preach to you from the very first sermon that I heard, Revelation chapter 10, as a newborn baby Christian in Christ. Now, here's what I want you to hear from this, dear friends, is that God's promise to me with that spirit is available for you today as well. And as we read about what's going to happen on the face of the earth, if your heart is pounding, if your palms are sweaty, and if you have a lump in your throat, you too can be saved from the wrath that is to come. And that same Holy Spirit can fall upon you and fill your aching heart with his love and his grace and his mercy, and you can be set free from your sin. And that list that's there, those who didn't repent of their murders, their sorceries, their sexual immorality, or their thefts, you can repent from that today, and you can be set free. And you can walk out of here a new person. But listen to what God's word says today. Listen to what will happen on the earth to those who do not believe. To those who refuse to believe, the fact that you're here this morning and you hear truth, God is putting the ball in your court. You have a decision to make, and your decision is either, yes, I will believe, and I will surrender my life to God, and I will accept this gift of the Holy Spirit, and I will be sealed and saved from the wrath that is to come, or you can hear truth today, and you can knowingly reject it. You can say in your heart of hearts that that message is not for me. That destiny is not for me, and you can take your chances. But I'm telling you this morning, I'm showing you this morning through the text, this is what your destiny is. But the choice is yours. God will not force himself upon you. He gives you the opportunity to say yes to him. My prayer is that you will all say yes this morning. So Revelation chapter 10 John continues in this incredible vision. And the trumpets have been blasting. You hear the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth trumpet. They've all sounded. The fifth and the sixth trumpets are the first and the second woes. There's a woe still yet to come, which is the seventh trumpet. One outpouring of God's wrath that will complete all of it. That will complete the picture of God's wrath on an unbelieving, unrepentant, sin-hardened world. But right now what we see in between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet is an interlude. And what's happening is John is is seeing this vision. God is giving John this vision of what was going on as this wrath was being poured out. Through those seals being broken, through those trumpets being sounded, it's a little bit of an interlude that we see here. And so we're going to pick this up in verse 1 of chapter 10. And we're going to see how God's presence changes us. When we come into the presence of God, we will not be able to stay the same. It changes us. It changes our hearts. It changes our minds. It changes our lifestyle. Look at this. It says here, I saw still another mighty angel 
another angel, just like the other angels that had been coming. And, and what it's important to see here is that because the description that we're going to read of this angel is so similar to the description of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, many commentators believe that this angel is Jesus himself. But that's not the case. Jesus is never referred to as an angel in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, yes, but never in the New Testament. And we're going to see that this angel is going to swear by one greater than himself in just a second. And if that were Jesus, he wouldn't be swearing by one greater than himself. But because this angel had been in the presence of Jesus, he looks so much like Jesus that commentators, very intelligent Bible scholars, have difficulty differentiating between the two. He's reflecting the glory of Jesus. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars, when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices." Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So let's pause there for a moment. This description is so much like Jesus. The clouds, the fire, the countenance, the rainbow. The commentators say, see, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to claim the earth as his own. That's what it means to step on the sea and on the land. It's complete dominion and ownership over the entire creation. But that's not the case. This is an angel who has come who looks just like Jesus. He steps on the sea and on the land, and he cries out with this incredibly loud voice. And John begins to write down what he heard, and he hears another voice saying, don't write it. That's a part of this prophecy that I want to remain hidden. In Daniel chapter 12, Daniel receives an incredible vision. And the same voice says to Daniel, don't write that. I don't want that revealed just yet. There are some things that we just don't know. We can't try to conjecture what this is. The scripture doesn't say what is said. But one day we will know. And my prayer is that you will hear what is said from heaven and not from earth. Because if you hear what is said from earth, you're going to be facing these woes. But if you hear what is said from heaven, glory, you're in glory. You're in the presence of Jesus already. So he says here, this angel looks just like Jesus. He sees this description and it's just like Jesus. Moses, incredible prophet of the Lord, he went for 40 days and 40 nights. He was in the presence of God on Mount Sinai as he was receiving the law, as he was transcribing it, as he was soaking in all of God so that when he went back to the rest of the children of Israel, he could declare to them what God's message was, what God's heart was. And so as he was there in the presence of God, Moses' face began to glow with the glory of God. And when he came down off of the mount, the people, the children of Israel, were afraid of Moses because his face, his countenance was glowing. He was reflecting, radiating God's glory back to the people. Paul says in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that he would mask his face, he would veil his face when that glow began to dissipate. When it began to disappear, he would put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel wouldn't see that he was losing 
that glory, that that glory was coming off of him. And when he needed that glory back, he had to go back into the presence of God to soak in God's presence all over again. And the more time Moses spent in God's presence, the brighter he glowed. Do you want to glow? Do you want to reflect God's glory in the lives of your family? If you do, you have to spend time in the presence of Jesus. There's no substitute for it. And you know what? Some of you might be trying to figure out how to soak in God's presence, but you're going about it all wrong. You cannot do it in the flesh. Some of you are spending time in prayer, maybe, and time in the word, maybe, and you're still not in God's presence. Some of you are here this morning, hoping to have a meeting with God, an encounter with God, hoping to soak in his presence, but this is even the wrong place to try to soak in God's presence. If this is the only place you're trying to soak in God's presence. Jesus told his disciples, don't pray like the Pharisees, those hypocrites, they like to go on the street corners and they pray with these loud voices and they want people to watch them and they do it so that they can be seen by men. But he says, when you pray, you go into a secret place and you get alone with God and your father who's in heaven who sees you in secret will reward you openly for what you've been praying for. You find a place where you can retreat, where you can soak in God's presence and don't leave that place until you've soaked in God's presence. Moses was ashamed. He was ashamed when he came back and the complaining and the ridicule and the grumbling of the people slowly sapped him of what God had done when he was in God's presence and his countenance changed. So he veiled his face. Don't veil your face. Don't be ashamed because there's not enough Jesus in you. There's not enough Jesus coming out of you. Spend time in God's presence. I have a place in my home where I go every morning before anyone is up, and I spend time in the presence of the Lord there. And do you know what? As my family wakes up one by one, they all end up in that room with me. Five people in one little room. Why? Because I've set the table for God's presence. And it's a place, they can't even explain why do we all come to this little room, the most insignificant room in probably the entire house, but it's because God's presence has been there. Do you want God's presence for your family? Do you want God's presence for your wife, your spouse, your husband, your children? Then you need to go into God's presence yourself and set the table. You need to soak in all that he is so that you can give that away. When you spend time in the presence of God, you will be changed. The apostle Paul, before he became Paul, was Saul. And he hated Christians. And he was on his road, he was on the road to Damascus to go find more believers to bring them bound back to Jerusalem so that they could be tried before the Jewish courts and be punished, be beaten for their faith in Christ. But on that road, a bright light shone and he heard this voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he stops dead in his tracks and he falls on his face and he's blinded by the glory and the presence of God that only he can see. And he can't see for three days and he doesn't eat and he doesn't drink for three days. And finally a man named Ananias comes and lays his hands on him and he receives his sight. And Paul was never the same after that. Why? Because he had spent presence. He had had an encounter with God's presence that changed him forever. I don't want to be Saul to my family. 
I don't want to go around in my family breathing threats, dragging everybody down, depressing everybody else, accusing everybody else. I want to be Paul, the one who goes and preaches truth and leads people into the presence of Jesus and calls them to repentance and is used mightily by God. The difference between Saul and Paul is the presence of God. And if you want to be Paul, you need to be in the presence of God. The presence of God will change you. Here's what the scripture says. Scripture says that you're supposed to be an example in 1 Timothy chapter 4. The word example, it's tupos in the Greek. It means an imprint that is left by a blow or an impression. It's like a typewriter when it leaves its mark on the paper and comes back. Literally, it's a reflection of the type. The scripture says you're supposed to be a reflection of Jesus, and you cannot reflect Jesus properly if you haven't been in his presence. Paul said this to those who would listen from the church in Corinth. He says, you imitate me, you copy me as I imitate Jesus. I'm trying to be like Jesus, and if you want to be like Jesus, you can follow me because I'm following Jesus. Listen to this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, but we all with unveiled face, with that veil having been removed, no longer trying to hide the fact that we've lost the presence of God, the glow on our face, the glory of his presence. With an unveiled face, we should come, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. You hear that? That God wants to transform you from glory to glory. When you look in the mirror, he doesn't want you to see that person who's been suffering in guilt and shame for your whole entire life. That's not what he wants you to see when you look in the mirror. He wants to change you from glory to glory. And when you look in that mirror, he wants you to see yourself the way God sees you. Someone who's been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Someone who has freedom from sin. Someone who can do something incredible for God when God's Spirit takes control. You're being transformed from glory to glory, but the Scripture also says that you're being conformed into His image. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn over many brethren. Now listen to this. The word mean conformed. If you just take that word apart, the prefix con means with. Form means shape. That word means to take the shape of Christ. To take the shape of Jesus. You're being transformed and you're also being conformed in this flesh to look more and more like Jesus. And when you spend time in the presence of God, something should happen to your speech. The way you speak, it should change. The scripture says that our word should be with grace, seasoned as salt. We shouldn't backbite one another. We shouldn't tear one another down with our words. Our words should edify and build one another up. When we've been in the presence of God, our speech changes. Not only will our speech change, but our mind will change. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus to take on his mind, to start thinking the way he thinks. How does he think? He places others' needs above his own. You know, when you're in the presence of God and your mind is being transformed and conformed, in your marriage, you're not going to be thinking of yourself and your needs being met. You're going to be thinking about, how can I meet the needs of my spouse? 
How can I make sure that my wife feels loved? How can I bless my husband? How can I bless my children? You're not going to be thinking my children never listen to me, my children never obey. You're not going to be thinking of yourself. When God transforms your mind, you stop thinking of yourself and you start thinking of others. You can tell how much time you've been spending in God's presence by how your mind is thinking. Not only that, not only will your speech change and your mind change, but your heart will change. The things that call your name, the desires that you have that well up within you, those things that seem to take control and have control over you, those will begin to change. Listen to Galatians 5.24. Those who are crucified, listen to this, those who are crucified, or those who are Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. When you belong to Jesus, when you are Christ's, your old passions, your old desires, they've been crucified with Jesus. And those things no longer call my name. You know what calls my name? That glory that waits for me. That's what's calling my name. It's so difficult, my friends, even during this season, where we should be celebrating the birth of our Savior, we get so distracted, don't we? And we spend so much time with gifts and with trees and with lights and with all of the other things it's just more weight and more burden that is heaped upon you well what paul says here is that when you belong to jesus all of the old desires change they're gone they are dead on that cross with jesus and you're living for something else now make sure that during this time this christmas season the time that you spend in the presence of god is more richer and more meaningful, make sure that you don't leave God's presence until you've been touched by his spirit, until your countenance has been changed and your heart has been filled. Here's the thing, my friends, is a lot of you aren't being discipled by Jesus. You're not. You're being discipled by O'Reilly or Hannity or Rush Who do you spend more time with, honestly? The world doesn't need another Donald Trump, does it? One is enough. The world needs more Jesus, though, doesn't it? Who's discipling you? Whose presence are you spending your time in? Whose glory are you soaking up? Who do you want to look like? Because your time is going to tell all. What you're chasing after is going to be evident in the time that you're spending. Where are you spending your time? Is it in the presence of Jesus or isn't it? Is it in his glory or isn't it? God wants to change you, but that can only happen. Just like this angel. He spends day and night in the presence of God. And when his time comes for him, it's like ever since creation, he's been waiting for this moment, this angel, to go and to play his part in this big picture. And when he arrives on the scene, he looks so much like Jesus that you can't tell the difference. When his name was called, he arrived and he showed Jesus to people. That's what I want. I want to spend so much time in the presence of Jesus that when my name is called and I show up, people see Jesus. They don't remember Chris. I hope that you don't remember a thing that I've said this morning. I hope you remember what God touches your heart with. That's all. Where's your heart? 
Because if you are willing to come into his presence, he's willing to change you this morning. He's willing to change you. Let's look at verses 5 through 7. It says, Then this angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, he raised his hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and all the things that are in it, and the earth and all of the things that are in it, and the sea and all of the things that are in it, that there should be no delay. There should be a delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.